Hey guys, it's your host, Avery Carl with The Short-Term Shop, and I'm really excited to dive into the broken bow market with you guys. We've got 10 episodes on everything you need to know about investing in short-term rentals in broken bow. A couple notes that I wanna give you guys before we get started. Any up-to-date purchase prices or income numbers on this market, you can find on our website, theshorttermshop.com. And if you're ready to buy with us in any of the 20 markets that we work in, not just Broken Bow, if you want to work with one of our agents in any of those markets, you can email us at agents at theshorttermshop.com. Be sure to follow us on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook at The Short Term Shop. And of course, join our Facebook group. It's called Short Term Rental Long Term Wealth. It's just me and 60,000 of my closest friends in there talking about short-term rentals all day, every day. Again, if you need anything from us, you can email us at agents at theshorttermshop.com. Let's dive into Broken Bow. Hey guys, welcome to episode two of the Short-Term Show special episode series on buying in Broken Bow, Oklahoma. We have Kathy here again, who you are familiar with. We also have Wilson Van Hook. Today, we're going to be talking about what to buy. So I'm going to let Wilson introduce himself to you guys really quick, and then we will start the show. Yeah. So um, as Avery said, my name is Wilson, and uh, I actually started out as a self-manager through the Short-Term Shop. And eventually just um, kind of grew from there, was really doing well and wanted to expand. So we decided to start taking on other properties to manage. And we decided to expand that presence in Broken Bow, which is where we kind of found our roots and started out. And now, as of today, we manage um, about 10 properties in Broken Bow. So that's kind of where where I came from and and where I'm at now. All right. So let's start with, since both of you guys have a lot of experience in terms of uh, what makes a good rental in this market, let's talk about location. What are the main areas that would be, you know, your top recommendation for where to buy in this market? I'll let you, you, start? you know, you go ahead, you go ahead first. So <clears throat> Broken Bow is, is Broken Bow slash Hoshi Town is basically a strip along 259. Most of the activities are concentrated kind of in the middle. So there's a lot of activities seven to 10 miles north of town. <clears throat> there's not a lot out there yet um, as, as far as restaurants or gas stations or whatever, but it is very more, it's pretty secluded, I would say. Um, my ideal location is kind of in the middle. Um, I prefer the area that is, you know, if you're looking at a map, there's 259 and 259A, and there is a loop that goes through the lake. You know, I would say three miles north, three, four to four miles north and south of that, and then three miles west, and maybe the lake is on the east side. So that's kind of my ideal location because I like the proximity uh, to everything. So, so you're kind of out of traffic. Wilson, what do you think? Yeah, so Hochatown is obviously the big popping area you know, and it's kind of people are kind of recognizing that it's a little bit different than just Broken Bow now. And um, that's kind of where everything is at. You know, that's where the restaurants are at. That's kind of where everything's happening. And that seems to be um, it doesn't really seem like the price point for purchases is is really more to buy there hardly. So um, that's really the best place to be. But um, people that are visiting, you um, they don't mind being where you said, you know, a few miles north of 
of um, where the central activity is in Hochitown. And we actually have, so our two honeymoon cabins are south of Hochitown um, in Broken Bow, and those still perform very well. Um, they don't really, um, I don't feel like we're missing out on clientele by being there. It's a pretty good location where people can still, um, you know, get get to where they need to in Broken Bow, but also get to to town in Hochitown. Plus, any pretty much anywhere that you're at in Hochitown works well because you're still going to be no more than probably 15 minutes from the lake. So very close. I think we have to explain the Hochitown Broken Bow situation because most people are going to recognize this as Broken Bow, not Hochitown. So that kind of confuses the conversation. So everything has a Broken Bow address. So when you're, when you see a property or you look at it on the internet, you're going to see a Broken Bow address. I mentioned in the last episode, Hochitown is the original town that's now underneath the lake. Recently, Hochitown has incorporated and they have signs, but it will be a long time in the future before I think they're getting a new zip code. And but before things transfer, everything is still broken bow locals. And when you come to town, you're going to see the name Hochitown. It, it gets confusing for people who aren't familiar with the area, people that are just now looking at broken bow. So when I say broken bow and I say, uh, you know, the area described around 59, that is technically Hochitown, okay? Um, Hochitown does have higher taxes a little bit now, where like where Wilson is a little bit south is has a lower tax rate. Um, and we can get into that later. But for purposes of not confusing people, it's Broken Bow. Um, and then Hochitown is secondary, which is the center of the area, I think is probably the best way to explain it at this point. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay, so Hochitown is kind of like enveloped by the larger area of Broken Bow, even though like the town area is typically, I mean, is, is, is Hochitown, is that what you're saying? So Hochitown has recently incorporated, they have no, um, and this, you know, we can, whatever with this, but there's no city hall, there's no fire department, there's police department, there's no fire department. So when people are looking for these properties or they're talking to me, they're going to see Broken Bow addresses, not Hochitown. Hochitown mm -hmm. is kind of like a suburb of Broken Bow. Okay. So it, it gets confusing, but Hochitown is the original town that was there that was um, settled by the Choctaw Indians. And so it, it gets kind of confusing, but for purposes of the conversation, Broken Bow is probably the easiest way to, you know, not confuse people. Gotcha. So anything else in regards to location in terms of what's better or worse, or is there an area, not necessarily worse, but are there areas that have better views or areas that might not have views, but they have proximity? So, you know, they're either one is good. Is there anything we need to remember, or is it just kind of like within the general area is, is typically good. It just kind of depends on the property. I think it's within the general area is good. It just depends on the property. Um, the casino coming in is going in on the east side of 259, closer to the, on the lake side. There are people that are going to maybe want to stay closer to the casino. I think it's, it, it, it's a toss up. All the areas, there's not a really a bad area. The only thing I would say is we are careful about the roads because a lot of them are not paved. So there are certain areas I just don't prefer because the roads are really bad getting there. So until those roads are paved, I kind of just try to stay away from those areas, but I guide my clients that way. What do you think, Wilson? 
Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that, with what Kathy's saying. And um, I would say that, you know, the general area of Broken Bow, it's really hard to go wrong with location because we're not like, you know, we don't have like mountain views. Like you don't need a mountain view or anything. We don't really have that there. Right. Everything's pretty flat for the most part. And um, so I would say that you really, it, it would be hard to go wrong with a location. The only thing that I would say to be, uh, to keep an eye on would be for some of these newer developed areas, these new developments, they're kind of pushing things out. Like Kathy's saying, down these roads that are, you know, not developed yet. And what also comes with that, um, what we're seeing right now, one of the new clients that we've been uh, waiting to bring on with us, um, they're a little ways out there. And like the utility companies, for instance, um, need to, need to, you have a little bit of trouble working with them, um, for instance, like internet and trying to get those utilities um, up and running. So whenever, if we ever have like downtime, then you you may not be like the first one to come back up if if we have like an, an an internet outage or something like that. Gotcha, gotcha. So roads, you want to pay attention to roads, but it's not flat though, right? It's like it's you don't have like mountain mountains where you have long range views, but it is you know like foothill like hilly area, right? That's what yeah, I'm when, when, when I say flat, like I'm saying flat in comparison to like the Smoky Mountains. Gotcha. You know? but, <laughs> but um. We're not, we're not flat. There are, you know, it is very hilly in Oklahoma. We do, we do actually have mountains and there's plenty of areas to go hiking and all, all sorts of things around the area. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Just wanted to clarify that really quick. Cause it's not like Nebraska flat. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. it's not like Nebraska. It is, there is, it is the Washita mountain range. So it is. Uh, what's the name of the mountain it's range? Not, it's gotcha. Washita. Okay. Washita. So yes. Okay. All right, gotcha. So it's we're not talking about the Rockies here. There's not going to no, be long range no, views, no, but no. it's not. Gotcha. You're definitely, you know, you know, it it's it's different from other parts of Oklahoma. Nothing like that in this area of Texas. So gotcha. You know, it's we call them the mountains, you know, because they gotcha. are in the technical sense. All right. So what? Let's go back to roads. So something in hilly areas like this that I think is something to keep an eye on is the distance in miles versus the time it actually takes to get there because the roads are really windy and has to go in between the hills. So is that something that you guys contend with? Like, oh yeah, it's 10 miles, but it actually takes 25 minutes to get there. Uh, how do you navigate that? Or is that something that you have to navigate in this market when you're looking at locations? I don't think you have to navigate it that much. I mean, you know, it. we are starting to see some traffic just because it's getting busier, but not really. I mean, it's 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 pretty easy to get around. I, I don't see it as an issue. Do you, Wilson? No, I don't see it as an issue either. Um, the, I think the only thing about roads is really um, sometimes in the neighborhoods, um, they're a little bit underdeveloped. You know, there's like a lot of like potholes, things like that. Um, so it's just one of those good things to just maybe put in your check and message for guests um, that are coming. Just say, hey, just, you know, be aware that you may have to drive down a gravel road or something, or you may have to drive up a little hill to get to a particular spot in, in a particular neighborhood. But it's definitely, we don't have any complaints from guests or anything. Um, it's definitely not an issue. So I wouldn't I wouldn't not buy somewhere uh, because of roads. I, I don't really think that's a that's a problem. Gotcha. All right. So let's move on to the type of the house. So does it matter what type or exterior architectural style of house we're buying here? So I think we established in the last episode that there's not really condos or townhomes. Pretty much everything is a single family. But is there a, a particular style or a aesthetic 
exteriorly that we need to uh, stick with? There's basically kind of three types of cabin you can get, right? It's like you can get the old style log cabin. You can get the halfway there farmhouse rustic type, mm -hmm. or you can get the all the way there new modern type of cabin. And from my experience, all three do well. And what we're, what I, my understanding is that there is a market for each type of cabin. So there are people, there are plenty, there are plenty of people traveling that are saying, I still want that log cabin feel. And there's plenty of people that are traveling and saying, like, I want this new modern, like I want up to date. Um, I want um, that modern getaway in the woods. And so what we've seen, though, is that all of them perform well because there's a clientele for each one of them. I completely agree. There's, you know, you can do more rustic, you can do more modern. Um, they're definitely different clients for each one. And, you know, especially, you know, with when talking about buyers, it, it tends to be, you know, they want to like what they're buying regardless. So I'll have clients from the short term shop that like the more modern or want the more cabiny. Um, but they all work equally as well. Gotcha. So would I be correct in assuming or asking the question that typically the more rustic ones are going to be the more budget-friendly cabins for travelers and probably the more budget-friendly for purchasing? Or am I wrong about that? Not necessarily. Some of the more hmm. rustic ones are the bigger ones that have oh. been there a minute and are absolutely gorgeous and stunning. And they have more of a rustic outside, but maybe they've updated the furniture. So most of these cabins have been built in the last five to eight years. There are some that are a little older, but they're all fairly new. So you're going to get some that are super rustic, like maybe on the lake side that have been there for 10 or 15 years that have a very kind of fishing cabin kind of feel. Um, but most of them are, are really nice, whether they're rugged and rustic or whether they're more modern, they're all pretty updated and nice. They don't, um, I don't think the price range is typically affected by that. It's, you know, obviously affected by size more than anything else. Gotcha. But I think we're safe in saying you want to stick to the cabiny, farmhousey feel, and we're not probably buying like early 2000s brick ranch homes to. There aren't to any available. Here. There's nothing like they that. They don't exist. There, really. Oh, really? No. So that it's completely a STR. Wow. Okay. There is well, nothing. There is. I don't think there's, if you move closer into um, Broken Bow proper, the city of Broken Bow, which is, you know, 10 miles to the south, short-term rentals aren't even allowed there. So this is only this specific area. It's been a resort community since 1970, um, mostly with campers and stuff back then. So there are no small brick bungalows that anybody would buy or even consider buying for a short term. Okay. So that makes, makes it a little it easy. easier for, for buyers. Yeah. You're not having to weed through types of properties and saying, oh, well, Kathy, why won't you let me buy this brick ranch home that's cheaper than this farmhouse? But they don't exist. So no. got it. No. Got it. Okay. So let's talk about the datedness of properties. So to really, to do well, and you know, Wilson, this might be one for you since you manage a bunch of them across different sizes and different ages, but um, how updated do things have to be to do really well? So there's some markets where you can just slap like a grandma thing on Airbnb, maybe not so much anymore, but 
I'm sure there's some out there where, you know, it looks the same as it did 15 years ago and that's okay. Is this a market where you really want to be more updated to keep up with the new construction or can you, is there, are there any, you know, budget outs there? So this is where I would say that you kind of start drawing the line between um, higher nightly rates, right? So I there there's a market for people that want a more budget-friendly rental whenever they come to Broken Bow. They've been visiting for a long time. They don't want to pay crazy rates. They want to come with their family and they want something budget-friendly. And those are probably going to be the places that are a little bit, what I would call like outdated for like interior design. Um, so what we, you know, even we had a client that we brought on and he just had this like terrible looking like bedding on his beds and we're like it's just time to get rid of it you know it's time to get rid of it and just like put something modern on the bed like put something um that's that's just more up to date but you can put um i would say that you know there's some places that it's like the kitchens aren't updated the you know the bathrooms aren't updated things like that and those are the places that are going to draw smaller nightly rates. It's not necessarily that you can't um, do well with those. It's just you have to factor in the price point that you're purchasing those at. So if you want to go for a place like that at a cheaper price point to purchase, um, that's fine. Um, but you're just going to be a more budget conscious rental for guests. Gotcha. So the more updated, the higher price per night we can typically command. Is that fair to say? For sure. Yes. Okay. So pretty straightforward. So this market, there don't seem to be a lot of alligators waiting to jump up and bite us. It seems to be pretty straightforward. Am I correct in that assumption? So far. Yeah. yeah I would agree with that. Like, you know, whenever, so far. yeah, whenever you look at like other markets, you know, like Orlando, for instance, like you have to go with, with this like crazy theming and stuff like that. Um, but like here in Broken Boat, it is a lot more straightforward um, in what people are looking for. Yeah, I absolutely That's agree. Nice. <laughs> so, okay. So I'm trying to think, cause this is going to be a short episode since it is so straightforward. I mean, there's still plenty of time for me to screw this up. So let's talk about, uh, let's go take that one step further. Like in, in a lot of markets and a lot of the other blue chip markets, which I would consider broken bow to be a blue chip chip market, even though it's still technically emerging and there's not as many sophisticated operators, but there's still a lot of sophisticated operators compared to other places. So let's talk about theming and murals and, you know, when people go, you know, I'm trying to think of a good word for it. Let's just say all in on the decor. So we're not just making it a really pretty, you know, modern farmhouse decor or whatever, you know, the, the interior design term is now. I'm not going to I'm not going to pretend to be one. But do we see anybody doing going all in on the theming and maybe doing a wall mural for Instagram or anything like that? Are we there yet? And what are we seeing if so? I yeah, I have a couple of clients who've done murals and done things so people can take a picture and post on Instagram and then they get, you know, some kind of little rebate back. And um, people do go all out on outside stuff there, um, you know, whether it be swings or one guy has a pirate ship. Um, just recently, I would say last year, nobody had a pool. Maybe two cabins had a pool this year. All of a sudden, I'm seeing people put pools in. So I think that's a direct um, influence from the Smokies. I started seeing that when people from the Smokies started buying in Broken Bow and bringing some of those influences in. But yeah, I mean, people go, they'll, I don't see like, if I, if I see a theme, it's, you know, Sasquatch. Sasquatch is a big thing in Broken Bow. They think he lives there. So, huh? Does he? Yeah. I've seen it. <laughs> 
Bigfoot. There's a lady, there's a lo- another local realtor that dresses up in a female uh, Sasquatch outfit and runs around town. So, Why does she- um, it's an interesting way to spend your time. So um, there's a lot of, so there, there's Bigfoot themed stuff. There's fishing themed stuff, but it's pretty, it's not anything. I haven't seen anything too out there. There's one really big cabin that has an internal tube slide that comes down from the second story. Oh, that's there's cool. a bunch of outdoor slides that come off the second deck. There's, there's definitely stuff like that that's happening. That's pr- fairly big ticket. I mean, these are, these are, you know, people are spending money. I mean, listen, the, we mentioned in the last episode, it's not cheap to buy a cabin up there, but you know, you can buy a, a one bedroom that does extraordinarily well and put some cool stuff outside and people are renting it all year round. So I do see people doing stuff, maybe not technically themed like, you know, a Disney theme, but they're definitely going with a, you know, they're going with something, you know, it's, I do see that kind of thing. Do you see that, Wilson? Yeah, I really think that, you know, the world is kind of your oyster in broken boat right now because um, we don't have, it's like you said, we don't have a lot of cabins with pools or we don't have a lot of cabins with like um, crazy, like cool themes or anything like that. Um, a lot of this stuff does look kind of similar. And um, so I think that for people that come in and, and are willing to be creative, there's a lot of opportunity to set yourself apart in this market. And um, yeah, it's like, there's the the cabin with the huge slide. There's, uh, you know, I saw one the other day on TikTok. Um, somebody did this like Harry Potter theme. And yeah, it, so it was, I was going to just mention that there is a very large Harry Potter themed cabin in Broken Bow that is um, has it's up on a it's probably one of the tallest areas in Broken Bow. It does overlook the lake for the most part. And it has a moat themed pool that goes all the way around it. Oh, that's cool. So is it like Hogwarts? Yes. Oh, that's it's awesome. pretty cool. He's and I think it's done now. It's taken him about whew, three years to build it. So it, it's it's a pretty big. I, that I did forget about that one. That one is absolutely totally themed. Yeah, and so like people are. I mean, they're starting. Yeah, and whenever I saw that, like that kind of stuck out to me because it's different. Like it's not something that you traditionally see in Broken Bow. So I think if people come with creative ideas like that there you're going to catch people's eye there's going to be a market for it um because there's nobody else that really is doing that um we have a uh the last cabin that we closed on with Kathy um my wife and I we actually we named the cabin Hey there Delilah after our newborn daughter Delilah and uh we kind of themed that one out a little bit um just kind of based on like like the song like Hey there Delilah and made it kind of like a romantic type theme put in some like red decor some little like roses things like that and um, that cabin's been doing really well. Um, people definitely seem to be liking that theme. Got nothing but five-star reviews on that cabin. And um, But I think that really, like, if you come in and you put in a little bit of effort and you want to get creative, there's there's a lot that you there's a lot of opportunity there. I agree. So if you want to do, to quote Bill Faith, a super property here, there's still plenty of room to be able to do that because there's you know, not a lot of people have pools. There's not a ton of theming there is here and there, but you could, that's something you could do if you wanted to just go all in that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Uh, all right. Well, now that we're on the, it leads me like exactly into my next question from theming to amenities. So are there any amenities that you have to have like to just be on par with everybody else? Like 
for example, a hot tub in the Smokies. You got to have that. Everybody has it. Do you have to have a hot tub here? For sure. Yes, you definitely have to have a hot tub. That is a must. Anything else you have to have to make sure that you're just in line with the competition? I think outdoors, um, a nice outdoor space. You obviously have to have a fire pit, um, decking and chairs and People really like to be outside. So mm-hmm. it's pretty nice weather all year round. I think the outdoor stuff is very important. Um, yeah, I mean, I think hot tubs and fire pits and TVs outside, that kind of stuff is has become really important. Yeah, I think what really works well for outdoor stuff is a nice covered patio, a nice inviting area where, especially for big cabins where um, you've got enough room to have like big family gatherings outside. And then, you know, for honeymoon cabins, it's like the ones that we have, um, we've got covered patios with the hot tubs and you've got a TV there where you could just soak in the hot tub and watch TV, you know, put on Netflix, do whatever. Um, So the things that I would say you have to have would be um, like an inviting outdoor space, fire pit um, and hot tub and then a grill. So I would say those are like the the ones that are a, at least a, a must to have. Gotcha. So not many properties with pools though. And that I think that could really be a game changer once people start doing that. Yeah, the, this Absolutely. new one that we're about to list uh, with us that just completed construction, they have a pool and uh, I think it's a heated pool too. So um, I'm really interested to see how well that works. And um, I think that that's definitely an amenity that people will be looking for since there's so few, so few number of cabins that have them. Yeah. Okay. So in the, in the world of amenities, you're still, you've got some, some space, like it's every single property does not have just like crazy amounts of amenities that you have to spend a lot of money to compete with. Like not a lot of people have pools. So if you go to the trouble to do that, you'll probably put yourself ahead of the pack. Um, Okay. I think that's enough on on amenities. Let's talk about size. So Wilson, you're managing several across multiple sizes. Do you find that the smaller ones, the honeymoon cabins stay booked more, but the larger cabins like the four or five bedrooms have a higher return on investment? Have a higher return on investment. I would say... um... The two the two sizes that do really well as far as return on investment are one bedroom cabins and five bedroom cabins. I would say those two have the best when we talk about return on investment. Um, but yes, like obviously, you know, one bedroom cabins, they have very high occupancy. So if you do things right, if you follow like the short term shops procedures for like, you know, listing optimization, all the other factors, like if you're checking all those boxes right you should be doing 90% occupancy, at least with a one bedroom cabin. And you can go up even a little bit more from there. Um, so it's like, we are surprised whenever we have a night that goes unrented. We typically only have maybe like one night a month that goes unrented, um, maybe two here and there in like a slow month. But we expect to rent a lot at our one bedroom cabins and we get a lot of um, last minute bookings there. Whereas Obviously, with larger cabins, you're not going to get last minute bookings, but with a five bedroom cabin, you're going to get when you look at it as as a whole for the entire year, it's going to be a good investment because um, you're getting there. There's there's popular times of the year versus unpopular times that we can get into those times of the year as well that work that work best. But, you know, you get you know, you get like spring break, you get the summertime that's like fantastic. And you get um, this, this portion of the year, like October through December is a great time in Broken Bow. So you get like fall break, 
Thanksgiving, Christmas holidays. And like people love to travel to Broken Bow during those times. So um, those are like really good opportunities to make money with the big cabins. Yeah, I completely agree. So what's really unique about Broken Bow, especially when you're comparing it to other areas, like Smokies or, or um, some of the beach communities is our one bedrooms are extraordinary. Um, they are all year round. Um, and so they're the one and two bedrooms are about equal in my opinion. One bedroom is probably a little bit better. They're great for small families or couples or two couples. So the one and two bedrooms do really, really, really well. The three bedrooms do well, but they're a little bit of a stepchild. I think probably Wilson might agree that it's kind of a weird stepchild in that, you know, if I have a choice of clients looking at a three bedroom or a two bedroom, two bedroom is probably going to outperform it. So um, it's a very interesting thing, but the one bedrooms are, and of course, you know, I, I can't promise anything, but they're as close to a sure bed as you can get. I'll, I'll just rank them like in my order of preference for what I would purchase. I would purchase a one bedroom first and then my second American would be a five bedroom. After that would be two bedroom and then three bedroom and four bedroom would be last. But um, it's, and it's because like, so Broken Boat is the drive to destination and we're only two hours from Dallas area. And so lots of times people will pick up like couples or something like that, and they'll just pick up and go on a weekday. And so you can get really high occupancy. Um, you can have like a whole week, like the next week open on your calendar. And it's not uncommon to just book out every single night for that week still for small cabins. Um, but with what I what we've kind of seen with the four bedrooms, why I don't like those as much as other cabins is because it's just kind of an awkward size. It seems like where based on the price point that you have to purchase it at versus the price point for maybe a five bedroom, you're just not getting a very good return on, on investment because a lot of people that are booking are saying, well, rates aren't crazy different between a four and a five bedroom. And a lot of people I think are just shifting and they just end up booking the five bedroom. Um, but then like three and four bedroom cabins, you don't, um, what you're competing against for weekdays is last minute stays, which are groups of two to four people. And so you have, that's what your rate has to be. If you want to book, people don't really care. Like if you're coming as a couple, they don't care They don't if they need a, even if the price is the same for a four bedroom cabin as a one bedroom cabin, they don't care because it doesn't matter. They don't need that space. It's not really even kind of the vibe that they're going for. Gotcha. Well, we will we'll find out on the next episode uh, with the data from John Bianchi and see you see what the numbers say. But that's interesting that you're the. It makes sense. I've seen that in other markets too. That uh, three bedrooms is kind of a weird, not no man's land. You'll still make money, but the difference between a three and a four or a three and a two isn't. Or sorry, the difference between a three and a two is not that much income wise, but the difference between a three and a four is a lot income wise. So uh, we'll be interested to hear from, from John on that. Uh, is there anything else guys, we're coming to the end of our time. Is there anything related to location type of property size, anything related to what to buy that we haven't covered that you think our listeners could benefit from hearing? Uh, Wilson, I, I would love to hear your thoughts on that. So the only other thing that I kind of have in my notes um, that I've kind of seen working well is um, that I wanted to, to talk about is is a spacious layout for for larger cabins. So um, out of the five bedroom cabins that we have, it seems that people gravitate towards um, towards the ones that have a more spacious layout, like a big 
like open inviting um, living area where people can kind of gather around. Um, that's kind of what people are, are getting towards. And they don't, it seems like they don't want as much, you know, something that's kind of crowded for, for a living area. Um, I think that we, we get a lot of inquiries also where people, um, this is kind of a smaller thing, but they're interested in ensuite setups. So um, we have our best performing five bedroom cabin has four king ensuites and then a bunk room. And so that works out really well. You know, some people it's like multiple families are traveling together. So they want a little bit of privacy, right? They want that private bathroom. They want that private um, bedroom where they've got kind of their own own space, you know, that makes sense. And okay. Uh, yeah, I've seen in other markets where the the bigger cabins will be set up almost like I call them like dorms where they have a ton of bedrooms. There'll be like a six bedroom, but the living space is just teeny tiny and there's no way all of the people that would be staying in a six bedroom could sit down and be in the living room. And they really just make it like a place to sleep. And then you're out doing stuff the rest of the day. There's not really anything to any areas to hang around. So we want to avoid the dorm style properties is what you're saying. Yeah. And, and yeah, like you're saying, it's if, if you've got a property that can sleep 16 guests, but your kitchen table only sits eight or 10 people, you know, it's like, where are people all going to gather and get together? So that I think that's something that people look for. Um, I actually had a friend recently that stayed in Broken Bow, and that was something that they were looking for in particular on listings that they told me was I was getting some feedback from them. And they said, we want a place that um, has like a big dining area, you know, a big place where we can we can all get together at the same time. Yeah, I think that's that's smart and important to remember. Um, anything else that, that we haven't covered? I think we covered it pretty well. Yeah, I think so. That's everything that I have in my notes for as far as location. Cool. Well, guys, if you are ready to just skip the line and buy with Kathy in Broken Boat, you can do that by emailing Kathy, C-A-T-H-Y at theshorttermshop.com. Or if you guys still have more questions that you just want to hear more about this, there's a few ways you can learn more. Number one is you can join our uh client, I mean, sorry, you can join our public Facebook group. It's called Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth, same title as my book. Uh, or every Thursday, you can join our live Q&A session. It happens at noon central. You can sign up for that at strquestions.com. And we, Luke and I have each implemented a new uh, talk to us feature. Uh, you can sign up for Luke's. Luke's is at five o'clock in the morning. You can sign up for, I think it's lukeruns.com, L-U-K-E-R-U-N-S. And you can talk to Luke about all things short-term rental on uh, while he's on his run in the morning. And mine is just talktoavery.com. And we just have a couple slots open um, twice a week, I think, uh, to to talk to you guys. So lots of ways you can get a hold of us. Uh, told you how you can get a hold of Kathy. So you guys don't be strangers and we will catch you on the next episode. 